Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 518, Ground Up, Elevating Employee Voice for Continuous Improvement. Today we're going to be talking about how ground up communication differs from traditional top-down approaches and what unique advantages it offers in a workplace setting. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engagesuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. My guest today is Paul Reed, who's founder and CEO at Trickle. Welcome, Paul. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Joe. Very pleased to be here. Lovely. So start by telling us a bit about you, what you do and uh, who Trickle are. Okay. So my name's Paul. I'm the founder of a tech startup based up in Scotland called Trickle. Um, we, I guess we originally started um, in the employee engagement theme, but we kind of combine two things. We are all about continuous improvement, so helping organisations understand what they need to focus on to improve, and the data that they get is based on what people think matters most. So it's kind of combining engagement and continuous improvement. Um, in terms of my background, I started off as a software engineer when I graduated um, back in 1995, when I still had a lot of hair. And I then became a CTO and then I became a CEO in about 2007. So I've had kind of a career largely in businesses that I've started myself um, and covering both kind of tech and commercial. Lovely. So that's a bit of a change going from um, software and engineering and so on into uh, employee engagement. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> um, so I learned a few lessons along the way. So Shall I tell you the story? It'll take, it'll take a couple of minutes. But yeah, so first job um, at university, I think I was employee number four in this uh, tech startup and we worked from the founder's house. And uh, I remember going for my interview amongst the Fisher Price toys and things um, <laughs> lying around in the house. And it was, it was a, I kind of started off as a negative experience, actually, because there was not really any support, right? The founders were really like smart people, it was a husband and wife team, um, and they were in the um, working in the area of um, mobile mapping. So they were doing a kind of map-based product for the Ordnance Survey back in those days, and um, good at what they did, but they didn't really have any experience in growing a business. So, you know, not a lot of support for people. Um, we were working from dining room table and chairs. You know, it wasn't kind of office furniture and all that kind of stuff that you might expect nowadays as an employee. So. There was quite a few teething problems, and as the company started to grow, we ended up with about, I don't know, let's say we had 20 people after a year. Um, it grew quite fast, and um, people started moaning all the time at lunchtime, you know? It was like, oh, this is a pain in the backside, and why do we do this and not that? And I thought to myself, this is, one, it's frustrating, right, because I wasn't enjoying it, but two, it's a bit stupid that everyone's feeling the same way, and we're not really talking about it. So I was thinking about leaving, and I thought to myself, well, why don't I just tell them what's going on? So I, I created a, a kind of anonymous document um, <laughs> after speaking to everyone and getting the kind of top two or three things that were on their mind. 
and I just scored it right really simply. You know, for every person that felt this issue was a, a challenge, then it, it got an additional score, and I kind of sorted it into a top twenty. And uh, I remember it was called Company Issues Dot Doc, and <laughs> I put it on a floppy disk, and I left it on the managing director's desk. But with a, it wasn't anonymous for me, right? So I left a post-it on it saying, right. you know, hey, I won't say the person's name. Um, you might want to look at this. And then the next the next day, I got a phone call. Um, hey, Paul, would you would you like to come out to lunch with myself and a couple of directors? And I was thinking to myself, oh, I wasn't really expecting that. So, anyway, long story short, um, it was it was a pleasant surprise. They thanked me for you know making them aware of what was going on because yeah. it wasn't like a, a kind of document full of gripes, right? It was here's twenty things that we think we'd like to tackle, um, yeah. ordered by importance, and and they kind of said, look, it's really helpful for us to know this, and a lot of these things we can actually fix. Um, and they asked me if I would kind of stick around and just help them engage around that. So it was a really early lesson in the power of one speaking up because I was yeah. always quite quiet, you know, at school when I learned that, you know, in my first job that speaking up was really positive. And then the second thing was um, if you can have an environment where you can show that you want to improve, then it really helps people with a sense of belonging, you know, because, for example, I was going to leave. And then when I saw that they wanted to tackle these things, I thought, well, let's give it a shot. And I actually ended up staying for about another two or three years. Mm-hmm. So um, I then started my own business, which wasn't anything to do with, uh, again, employee engagement. But because of that lesson, we were able to build in very early doors, you know, a, a system where let's listen to people and let's make sure that we're continually tackling the things that people feel are important, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that journey was a 15-year journey, which ultimately led to acquisition by an organization of 70,000 employees. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we learned then that, you know, it's very, very hard to speak up and be heard in an organisation of that size. Yeah. And that was really why we, uh, I kind of left that business and then started Triple as a platform to to really try and simulate that and using technology, you know, how can we help people to speak up um, using a technology platform? Yes, yeah. Well, that's a really powerful story. I mean, there's, there's so much um, sort of discussion about how important storytelling is uh, nowadays, isn't it? And and that, you know, in it, it, I don't know, you would, four minutes telling that story or whatever really highlights exactly the importance of, of what we're talking about today so thank you for sharing it but also um well done you for doing that like you say most people just moan and, and leave or, or what's it they do they quite quit now they don't leave quite quit. yeah <laughs> well the, the thing is I've, I've never really been one for the status quo um <laughs> and i think that I, I guess being a software engineer i was quite lucky because I kind of I did a lot of my software time when the world was changing from what they used to call the waterfall approach to software development, where you'd start on day one and you'd find out what the customer needs, and then in, you know two years later you'd deliver this big system, and then the customer would be like, "Well, it kind of doesn't really do what I need because <laughs> the needs have evolved so much, right?" Yeah. So there was a a movement in software called agile, um, and a lot of kind of. Um, platforms and different frameworks to help people be more agile in the way they delivered software. And it totally transformed the industry. You know, it went from multi-million project failures to, you know, small, quick projects that deliver value. Mm. And so there was a lot of learning from that. And what I thought was, well, actually, there's no reason that that shouldn't apply to just everyday business. Yeah. Um, and, and really, that was what we tried to build in through um, the organizations that I founded, you know, was to make sure that we were always tackling the things that were most important, you know, week by week, what are the five things? Boom, let's do them, right? And what's the next five, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's really what the, the, the kind of core to trickle is really is. Let's engage on the things that matter most, but yeah. let's do it in a way where, it, you know, the employees get a chance to contribute and to set the agenda. 
Yes, yeah. And I, I love the fact that you're sort of combining the the, the voice with, with continuous improvement. I worked for an organisation years ago where the focus was on the, the Japanese concept of Kaizen and, and yeah. all about individuals coming together in every area of the business to make small incremental improvements all the time. Uh, you know, to improve the business. And, and it was so motivational to to see that happening and also just to see that improvement happening all the time. So um, love that you've connected the two. And I think also when organisations are doing employee surveys, the, the gap is often doing something with the information. So they get the information and then don't often deal with it effectively. Um, or if they do, they don't involve the employees in it. So it doesn't really land or work afterwards either. So this all sounds very positive to me. So tell me a bit more about your thoughts about sort of the the, the ground up um, approach and how, how important that is in terms of the continuous improvement within organisations. Yeah, I think it's key because if you think about a survey, right, and, you know, we're very familiar with um, organizations that run surveys and you know we're not we're definitely not anti-survey I mean a lot of the time trickle works alongside um, an annual survey you know they're, they're very complementary um, and what but what we find is that you know a survey is obviously top down it's it's got an agenda behind it you know it's got a set of things that leaders typically want to understand and often it's the same questions that you know that are asked year after year and there's, there's a couple of things about that right number one is how do you know you're asking the right questions and number two, why should what matters to the organization and the leaders of the organization be any more important than what happens and what matters to the employees? You know, I, I feel it's all about balance. And I think that surveys don't have that balance, essentially. Yeah. Um, and that was something that we set out to try and correct, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So tell me how, how it works, what what you actually do. Like you said you often run alongside surveys with with what you're doing. So how, how does it work? If I'm an organisation and I want to uh, find out what my employees are thinking and, and what improvements they want and all that sort of stuff, how do you go about that? Okay, sure. So the, the main idea is that the platform will show you in real time um, the top five matters. Okay, so we call them trickles. The idea being that you address things when they're small before they become bigger challenges, right? So yeah, yeah. things kind of trickle their way through the organisation. So... You create a trickle, um, it goes into the feed. Your colleagues um, see that in the feed, just like they would review Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Um, and they then decide whether that matters to them and how much it matters to them. Um, and they can contribute their thoughts and their suggestions to that topic. So you end up with all these individual trickles within the platform, each one about a certain topic or a certain suggestion or a certain concern. And then a whole load of threaded discussion and emoji reactions. And what that allows us to do is to set a score on each of the trickles. And then the platform automatically prioritizes based on that score. So what we do is we show, we have a, a dashboard called the top five. And we encourage um, leaders, which we call champions within the platform, to meet and review that top five at least every two weeks. Um, and the system then becomes about, okay, here's the top five things. Let's take them one by one. Let's at least engage because there's no reason you can't engage on each of these topics. And then where possible, let's progress them in some way. So it might be, you know, number one, right? Okay, what's the topic? Joe, can you take this? Great. Everyone gets to see that Joe is looking after this as a champion and what the next step is. Number two, Paul, can you take this? Great. Number three, we can't do anything about this because, and you just go through that process, you know, very, very quickly spending, you know, 15 minutes or so going through that top five every couple of weeks. And, and 
every trickle, it has a four-stage workflow. So it starts from being raised, it then might get championed if it reaches enough interest. At some point, it will reach a conclusion. And in the final stages, it goes out to vote. And the vote is simply to say, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down. What did you feel on the outcome that was reached um, following this debate and the conclusion that was reached? Um, and what that what happens then is that your top five continually evolves because you know maybe items number one and number three get completed, new things enter the top five, and you become very agile as you start to tackle these things, but also very inclusive because people are continually contributing their suggestions, and when they do so, they can be optionally anonymous, which we find um, is a real kind of secret to making sure that um, you're truly getting the truth from what people think is important. Mm -hmm. And what does, impact does this have on, on the culture and how people feel about working for the organisation? So the major impact it has is people seeing solutions in real time. So we usually encourage at least a, min a minimum of um, a month, right, to get the, the process bedded in. And that cycle of kind of reviewing the top five and then posting updates, if we can get through a couple of cycles in the first month, what people start to see is that things are progressing. And they can see that change in real time. So if you think about a survey, and you referred to this earlier on yourself, a survey is about capturing some information, then some administration, some analysis is done, and then you get a whole load of you know outcomes, potentially these things we need to focus on. Okay. Whereas in trickle, every conversation is tracked through to a conclusion. So the action, the next step, the engagement all happens per topic. So people can subscribe to the topics that matter to them they're then automatically kept in the loop. And when they start to see progress, it builds a cycle of, oh, look, this was this was raised. It's potentially a little bit provocative or a, bit, a little bit controversial, but it was dealt with and we've now reached a conclusion that everyone can see. So I think that transparency, that agility, and the fact that really anyone can get involved, right? there's no barrier to entry because you can be optionally anonymous mm. when you raise a suggestion or when you comment on someone else's suggestion. Mm. Um, and we just find that it creates a, a really open environment where people appreciate the opportunity to to speak out you know and to and to see progress mm -hmm. so where where does the sort of accountability for for making the things happen come from because i mean you talked about there being a process i'm interested a, a bit more in that because often you can end up where everything gets sort of thrown to the senior people to deal with and then it still doesn't get dealt with <laughs> or yes. um, you know you have the same issues coming up time and again and you've already said you know if there are issues that can't be dealt with then you say they can't be dealt with and move on sort of thing but what's to stop it just sort of becoming something that people keep talking about but it still doesn't get resolved what's that process in the yeah beginning? so 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 there's a number of things there right the first thing is that when you post a topic you choose whether it's a topic like let's say i'm, I'm posting a suggestion so is it a suggestion that impacts my team? Is it a suggestion that impacts the location I work in, which might be a particular, you know, might be Edinburgh versus Glasgow, or it might be a particular hospital, for example, in the in the NHS? Um, or is it something that impacts the entire community? Now, the community might be, you know, a thousand junior doctors in the health board, or it might be all 500 employees of a accountancy firm, for example. Um, so you choose what the audience is when you post. And what that means is that, accountability then can be localized because if you're a team lead, right, you can look at the top five just for your team. And usually most organizations are having frequent meetings all over the organization, you know, so individual teams will have a weekly team meeting, for example, um, individual projects might have a monthly team meeting and the exec might have a quarterly board meeting. So 
each base, each team, for example, can look at their own top five and address that. Whereas each project can look at the top five for the project and address that. So it really helps the responsibility be spread throughout the organization. So it's not just about agility, but it's also about a kind of a culture of shared responsibility. Yes. Yeah. And that's really the challenge, right? Is exactly as you described. If you look at the kind of traditional pyramid hierarchy of an organization, which most organizations still use and, and, and most of our customers still use, things have to often be cascaded from the flat of the pyramid, you know, along the bottom up to the top to get approval and then come back down in the form of action. Um, and this is all about doing things locally, you know. So if we know as a team that the top five things are these things, then what can we do about them right now? You know, we don't need to speak to anyone else about that. And, you know, we might need to speak to someone about one or two of them because they need budget or, you know, they need a approval beyond what the team has. But there's often things that can be tackled locally. Um, and it's really about that, you know, instilling this kind of behavior where it's like, right, here's the challenges, here's the suggestions. What can we do today to make tomorrow better? Yeah, yeah. So have you got some specific examples of, of where uh, your clients have, have made those changes that they've they've done things that they wouldn't have ordinarily done without the trickle process? Yeah, sure. So most of our customers um, are in healthcare at the moment. So um, the NHS is our biggest market. So a couple of NHS examples would be, well, my favourite one is actually what I would, I would term as employee-led innovation. So, you know, a suggestion, an idea that ended up in a, a greater um, efficiency across the organisation. So an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound scan of the heart um, in one of the hospitals and one of our customers, um, one of the junior doctors said, look, when I organise a scan, um, the scan gets performed and then it can take up to 30 minutes to get the result. And I find this really frustrating. And then when I get notified that the result's available, I have to go into the basement, queue, come back up, and all this time I'm away from the patient. So that was raised. It reached the top five. It was reviewed in their two-weekly cycle. And they realized, actually, this is impacting, you know, <laughs> quite a number of people within yeah. the community of a 1,000 junior doctors. Um, and it's a bit silly that we've not really talked about it before. Mm. So it took them about seven weeks of um, discussion, what workarounds could we create? And they eventually created an outcome, which I understand they didn't spend any additional budget on. And it was just really a, a new process, a revised process, um, and they got it down to like instant. So it went from 30, 30 minutes on average down to, hey, here's the results right now. And for me, that's a great example of number one, the people who then perform that process are far less frustrated. But number two, the additional benefits to that organization in terms of, you know, patient experience and, you know, greater value in terms of the doctors spending their time actually with patients as opposed to waiting around or walking around waiting for results, you know. Or yeah. picking up results. So that, that's one of my favourites. Um, it can be simple things like, you know, hey, I'm a, I'm a junior doctor in year two and I'm finding this really frustrating. It's stressful. I'm not really enjoying it. And I'm thinking about leaving. And then somebody else comes in and says, well, I'm a junior doctor in year three and I felt exactly the same. But here's what changes and here's what improves. And I recommend you stick it out. You know, a lot of peer support. Um, yeah. <laughs> another one that I enjoyed was um, within a university setting, which was... Um, someone said it really frustrates me when people are talking during lectures and one of the leaders, one of the lecturers in that organisation said that they loved that one because they didn't have to do a single thing about it just <laughs> the fact that it went to number one and people saw that it made it to number one everyone was then embarrassed into not talking anymore in the class so yeah, it's things like that, you know, you wouldn't know about a lot of these things through a survey, right? Because you wouldn't know to ask the right question 
No. Another healthcare one, just a really quick one, was um, somebody said, why are there never any extra small scrubs in the operating theatre? As a small lady, this is very difficult for me. And again, that was one that impacted a load of people and they've never really kind of addressed it before, you know, which is so, so simple to solve, you know, and it yeah. was solved really, really quickly. But yeah. the the benefit that people get from that is 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 big, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I love the fact that it's it's sort of niggly things as well and 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 potentially things like you say that the thing about oh, i'm not happy um and somebody sort of reassuring and saying don't worry it'll get better or, or whatever i can't think of any other way that that would be picked up and dealt with other than just by a chance conversation with the right person yeah and that's the thing i think you know one of the things i really enjoy seeing with what we do is when customers say you know what that one was solved by the community you know we didn't really get involved it just yeah. kind of solved itself because people were there that are willing to help. And especially in really large organizations, that's often the challenge, right? There's often solutions in place and people just don't know where to look or they haven't heard about it. Mm. Um, and, and I think that that kind of real-time communication and doing it in a re really transparent way is, is really key now in the modern world. You know, we don't see each other a lot. That word of mouth kind of conversation by the water cooler doesn't happen as much anymore, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's really the what we're trying to help solve you know and as you say it, it, it's real time and and in some ways it's it, it's not something that gets sort of stuck on a, a list somewhere on on the sort of back burner because it seems too big to deal with um or you know there isn't the time it, it sort of feels like it's there it's in real time and and it's sort of it almost incentivizes people to just get on and do it if they're yeah. really interested in what's going on and I think that visibility is really key. So we often describe trickle as being marmite. You know, you'll you'll love it or you'll hate it, and <laughs> you'll you'll love it if you've got a progressive um, view within your organisation. You know, if you're a leader of a team of a thousand people and you want to progress and you know demonstrate that you you know really care about improving the environment and not just the working environment, but you know the services you're providing, then you'll enjoy trickle because it makes it very easy to see what's important, and then mm. you can address things collectively but if you're in an organization where it's harder to make that change and you're a bit of a lone wolf then uh, trickle might not might not suit that organization so well and it's about really what we find is that in organizations like that that are maybe kind of older and have got legacy challenges and you know um, mm -hmm. maybe some hierarchy and layers that they are, are not so useful in the in the world that we now live in what we find is that if you can introduce this within a you know two or three teams, and we usually recommend a, a kind of a minimum of a hundred people, maybe about 150 people across two or three teams, then even in those types of organisations, you can start to show that you can make your organisation more agile team by team, and that starts to spread throughout the organisation. You know, yes. so we're we don't tend to shy away from the fact that this is very in your face, and it's <laughs> actually part of the design, right? Because you know if if you're aware of what's going on then you have a better chance of delivering a positive outcome. That's my view on it, yeah. right? And that's why it works that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it must be, well, I think your your Marmite comment is, is so true that it's either an easy sell or a, or a hard sell, and there's probably not much in the middle. I, I, I've just been reminded of a conversation years ago, and I can't quite remember what it was we were talking about, but there was a whole concern about sort of giving employees an opportunity to say something which would sort of potentially encourage everyone else to feel the same trauma or, or, you know, it would end up being 
sort of complaining in public sort of thing and that 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 was a challenge and and I guess that is a challenge but that's sort of the point that that that's how these things will get resolved if it is if they are um you know raised to the surface but you've also got to have that sort of culture and and openness to allow that to happen to also then allow the change to happen whether that be you know at a more senior level or or as you say with the community at the time but it, it's yeah. challenging isn't it? <laughs> it, it it is but you talk about you know you make a really good point there about publicly so you know change days since i was uh starting off in in the workplace you know with, with things like glassdoor and yes. um, twitter or, or x as we would call it now you know where people can go on and they can openly talk about your organization and for big organizations that can be a real challenge, right? Because you have a lot of employees and when you have a lot of employees who are disgruntled and they talk about things publicly, then, you know, that can affect your reputation. The The idea with Trickle is that you have those conversations internally, right? So you have the chance to address them before they yeah. go into the public. Um, it's a bit like the old, um, the chef's analogy, you know, it's like, don't let your mistakes go out of the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So when we were preparing for for our chat today one of the um topics that you um mentioned was whistleblowing um and how it, it can be a, a sensitive topic um how how well what are your thoughts on on an environment where whistleblowing is is actually positive and and, and can help to make sort of good changes how, how can organizations sort of approach that concept because it's the sort of thing that probably put some dread into <laughs> to anyone's sort of uh mind when you when they think about yeah. bringing something and up yeah like i think that. there's a there's a really important stage before whistleblowing in my view which is psychological safety so i guess a lot of the things we've been talking about today are speaking up and trust and uh you know the phrase psychological safety which i think probably google made it much more popular than it ever was Mm -hmm. when they did when they ran their study about 10 years ago i think it was now where um the survey of their best performing teams or sorry they identified that their best performing teams had the common attribute they had was a sense of psychological safety right the ability to speak up yeah. without fear of negative consequences and for me i think that's an absolutely essential um, ingredient of a successful workplace and something that we always um try and help our, our customers to instill using trickle you know so Whistleblowing for me is something's gone up gone wrong far before, right? If you get to the point where you need to whistleblow, because um, ideally you would have a, a, a kind of not a platform, but a, a way of working where number one, people feel comfortable to speak up. Number two, they know that things are going to be addressed. Um, and then number three, they know that the outcomes are going to be very transparent and or as transparent as you can be for the organization type that you are. And I think then that that means that you've got a far better chance of addressing things before they snowball to the point where it's a, a whistleblowing event, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And when you do, and when you do still, obviously you do still need to have processes in place for, for things that do escalate to that point. And I think again, the, the, the kind of key to me there or in my experience is people feeling that they're safe and that they're supported in doing that, you know? So, Obviously, mm -hmm. making sure that it's true anonymity. You know, can you raise this safely and um, and and know that you're going to be um, not identified for the things that you're suggesting if if you don't want to be identified, but also knowing that you can get into direct dialogue with people that you trust within your organisation. Um, mm -hmm. That that's a real you know it's a really important thing. And unfortunately, um, we're seeing 
I guess, a greater awareness about whistleblowing because of the, you know, the various different things that have been in the news yeah. over the last six to 12 months, and not just in healthcare, you know, across all sorts of different organisations. Mm. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that that link to continuous improvement, doesn't it? I, I talk about, I went on holiday recently and we were talking about flying and, and I was saying how, I never worry about flying because I know how focused on continuous improvement the, um, you know, um, aviation is, you know, there's so much of a focus on think if things go wrong, let's work out why and not do it again next time sort of thing. And that's not the same in many sectors and many organizations where it's more about covering it up or not being open and honest because it could commercially impact and everything else. And it's, it's quite a different mindset, isn't it? It is absolutely. You're you're spot on with that um, comparison to aviation. Um, there's a book called "Is It Black Box Thinking?" Yes. I don't know if you've ever read that book. Have, yeah, yeah. That, that, mm-hmm. that's got some really um, interesting background to the to the whole kind of continuous improvement and learning from the past. You know, and being yeah. open open learning systems as well. You know, and feedback loops. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Lovely. It's been so interesting talking to you uh, today, Paul. Thank you so much. It's um. Uh, really so important that we encourage sort of improvements in organizations and our employees to to have that opportunity to to impact and and improve uh you know communication but also the the actual um work that that's done and and it sounds like uh, you're really helping with that with trickle so thank you so much for today a pleasure thanks for having me on joe and just to let you know, next week we've got Gerald Leonard, who's founder of the Leonard Productivity Intelligence Institute. He's talking to Joe Moffat about helping organisations create a team of productive employees. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.